Welcome back to Soapbox. It's a show about strong opinions on trivial topics. I'm Jack Crawford. to Soapbox, the only show about strong opinions on trivial topics. How's it going? I'm Jack Crawford. Thanks for hanging out. And let's just jump right in. So I'm back home, back in Tulsa for the summer, as you know, if you've listened to any of the recent episodes. And part of me being back is I'm not on campus. I'm not at college. So I need to like buy groceries because I don't have a dining hall. And need to buy groceries for myself and pick up stuff for my family and all that jazz. And, you know, when you're buying a lot of food, at least for me, I've gotten into some very specific routines. Because I have two very different but very distinct types of grocery shopping that I do. I have big shopping and I have small shopping. Big shopping is where I go to Sam's and I buy... 20 brats and I buy 36 dozen eggs and I buy other things in bulk. I cannot think of any at the moment. But I have, you know, I have one type of shopping that is very set that I do for, you know, staples there. Like not actual like food staples, not the office supply staples. But at Sam's, at the big store, you have the big things you need and the essentials. That's what you're going to build everything else on most of the time. But there's also small shopping and small shopping is a whole other ball game. And for me, that typically means uh, Reesers, which is local to Tulsa. But if you don't know Reesers, think of your local grocery store. It's typically either there or natural grocers or occasionally, rarely Whole Foods. But you go to those places for the things that fill in the gaps with the big food. You know, you go there for spices or if you need a container of milk or some new onions or both fresh things and things that you don't need as much quantity as you do at Sam's. But because I go to both of these types of places so often recently, and so I probably go to each three times a week just because of I buy a lot of stuff and eat a lot lot of stuff. And when you do that so often, I've developed very strict rituals about both places. And starting with big, when I go big shopping, when I go to Sam's, um, I've got, (laughs) I try and get as many steps in as possible. So I will like shop in circles around the store because it's such a big place that you know, Sam's would be like my go-to for a zombie apocalypse because it's all cinder blocks, so zombies not getting in. And you've got a ton of food. If zombies did get in, you've got all of those shelves to run around and disorient them. 
Anyway, when I go to Sam's, I shop in like big circles where, you know, I've got a podcast cranked in my headphones. I'm going, you know, from the very outer walls in instead of like front to back or back to front. I just try and cover as much ground as possible, even if I don't need to cover all of that ground to get everything I'm after. One of my personal preferences when I go to Sam's is, uh, you know, that's a store where depending on the time of day and the day in the week, the crowds are going to be very, very different. And I try and avoid those as much as possible because it's a pain to navigate a big grocery store with a massive cart full of stuff when there's 15,000 little kids running around. And so I always try and go on a weekday morning, not a week and afternoon because weekend afternoons are the worst time to go to Sam's. So I try and avoid the people. I try and get a lot of steps in and I have to have a podcast cranking or I will go insane because it's just sort of, it's like, um, there's just a low hum of all those lights and machines and stuff. And I think I would go a little crazy if I was just walking around it silently. But um, one of the nice things about Sam's is the, you know, well, not really a nice thing. But one of the things about Sam's is they're very, very self-checkout reliant at this point. Like probably 75% of their aisles, their checkout aisles are self-checkout, which is great. But then you have to go to the door and they check your cart. They basically like make sure you're not taking anything extra. I'm not really sure why they do that, but they always do that. And one of my preferences there is, you know, especially when I have headphones in, sometimes the people are like, oh, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about your day. Let's talk about what you're getting. And that drives me nuts because A, I have headphones in and you shouldn't be talking to me because I have headphones in and I feel rude for not talking back, but I also have headphones in and couldn't hear what you said in the first place. I don't remember what B is. <laughs> but the other thing they do is sometimes you get this huge pileup, eight or nine carts waiting to go get their stuff checked and move through. And what drives me nuts is sometimes, you know, they'll bring in another person to start checking receipts and all that. And that other person will start taking new people and they'll just create a whole new line. And there's, there's some chaos there, but it's such a massive store that honestly, when things get that crowded, I have found it's easier to just go walk around some of the more obscure shelves and get some more steps in, listen to some more podcasts and grind out you know, fill my rings than it is to, you know, get through the crowds at the front of the store. But my routines there are so, I mean, granted, my routines in both categories, big and small, are pretty antisocial. But with small, you know, you go to a Sam's, you're not, at least I personally, never find something at Sam's that I'm like, oh, I want to try this. Because if you see something at Sam's, it's going to be a bulk item or a family pack or it's going to be too much for an experiment, you know? You're never going to find a new flavor of chip at Sam's and say, oh, I want to try this here where I'm going to get the size that could feed six people instead of getting it at Reesers where it could feed two. And that's the fun thing about Reesers is you go 
you also have a podcast going, but usually it's a shorter trip. So you have a shorter podcast or maybe just some music. And I go in and you can actually wander a bit more. And instead of just wandering to avoid crowds and get steps, you can actually wander to find something new and interesting that you might try. Like last week I tried a, it was a protein muffin had 20 grams of protein in a muffin. And not only was it a protein muffin, you actually microwave it and it's like those microwave cakes, except it's muffin and it it's this bowl and you add water and you stir it up and you microwave it and it rises and it, it was actually pretty good. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. And you know, you're not gonna find things like that in a Sam's, but at Reeser's you will, or at a smaller store you will. I shouldn't say just Reeser's. But um, I was trying some at Natural Grocers, the other small store. I picked up several different aspartame-free carbonated drinks, different sodas and pops, like single cans, because I wanted to. I'm trying to get away from super artificial sweeteners while also avoiding straight-up sugar. And uh, you know, you're not going to find such interesting things at the big store, but. At the small store, you can. But yeah, I shop a lot. I I podcast. I listen to a ton of podcasts while I shop. Like that's where I get through most of my library for the week, you know. So, and I actually really enjoy grocery shopping. I don't like any other kind of shopping, pretty much. But grocery shop grocery shopping is really fun, especially when you you know you you're told to go pick up a couple lemons and you have to go and pretend you know what makes a lemon ripe and uh, or raspberries raspberries the way you tell they're ripe is you get the lighter ones you want them to be really light because that way they're not actually ready to eat quite yet but by the next day or so they will be I think I'm probably going to hear about that when this episode comes out but hey that's grocery shopping topic this week, the main thing I want to talk about is a little more abstract than most of the ones I've focused on in the past. It's a concept. It's an artistic concept. And it was first described by a dude who was very, very racist, D.W. Griffith, who directed the film Birth of a Nation. Very, very racist movie, but it was groundbreaking because it was one of the very first really successful movies to feature outdoor scenes because the first I don't know five years I don't know how long it was originally movies were all shot on sound stages basically like plays but with a camera instead of an audience and what D.W. Griffith did besides be a horrible racist was he took the camera outside and he actually showed as he said the wind in the trees or the wind in the grass I'm not sure which it is, but he showed, you know, actual nature on film for the first time in wide release. And he was trying to get at, besides his racism, the, you know, showing truth and showing reality and showing authenticity in film. And, you know, it was one of those things where if you think about movies, a lot of them show, especially now, crazy situations 
sci-fi, superheroes, magic, whatever. But then you get those little bits of authenticity, like accidental, you know, fumbles of things or someone tripping or, you know, real life type stuff that doesn't necessarily add to the story, but it adds to the authenticity of the product and of the work. And uh, I, I find that really interesting because, uh, you know, like in older movies, that's a very easy thing to find where, oh, we're going to show that this is a real thing because we're going to have smoke actually being carried by the wind or we're going to have, you know, natural lighting or whatever. But then you get to these newer sci-fi things and, you know, you can't necessarily show natural happenings because you're showing insanely unnatural things. So then the way you show authenticity is accidents and clumsiness and even if it's scripted, randomness and entropy, basically, of people. And I just think that's a really interesting concept because it's very easy to picture, I think, picturing a film of trees blowing in the wind. But it's much harder to figure out, and it's easy to figure out where in film authenticity comes from and what what you're striving for with authenticity in a movie about like people and where that gets a little bit trickier. And what I'll talk about a bit later in the show is how do you, you know, what's the wind in the trees for other mediums for things like TV is TV trying to show the same things as film. Sometimes yes, sometimes maybe not or you know, music, trying to show what's authenticity in music. Is it, you know, acoustic instead of electric or is it genuine lyrics instead of really superficial ones? You know, in some mediums, it's very easy to figure out what's the wind in the trees and what isn't. But in most mediums that I can think of, at least, it's much trickier. How do you show authenticity in writing? in that way? How do you show nature and writing? It's very difficult because you can describe it all you want, but you know, it's hard to say that's authentic until you get, you know, to a author that you trust on a subject because they lived it and you trust them as a reliable narrator or a reliable author. But then, you know, how do you trust authenticity in something a little more fanciful, like, you know, Jurassic Park, where the dinosaurs, that's obviously not authentic, but do you trust the authenticity of their um, surroundings, of the premise? You know, where does that touch of reality, that sort of grounding thing in the medium come from? And I think it's a tricky question, and I don't really have an answer for it yet, but after the break, we'll look at a couple other examples. And, um, yeah, don't go watch Birth of a Nation unless you're prepared for some pretty rampant racism. But, uh, I watched it in high school in my film class and, um, not pleasant. Like I wouldn't call it a good movie, but then if you, especially because of all the, you know, racism, but you know, you look back and it's like, oh, that's the first movie to have actually really taken a camera outside and filmed 
you know, real lighting and real shadow and actually figuring out some of that stuff. And it certainly doesn't excuse the racism. That's never excused, but it does make it worth a, a tiny bit more appreciation. But, but anyway, we'll come back to that a bit later. Thinking about authenticity, thinking about the wind in the trees. Let's take a break and go to the ads. Welcome back. So we don't really have a video game corner this episode because frankly, I have not played very many video games at all, really. I, um, I've had some issues with my Xbox where it's not playing quite right and I can't get it to run a game for more than a few minutes before it freaks out. My Switch is great, but I don't have anything groundbreaking to talk about there. And I haven't gotten a good game to run on my PC since I've been back, frankly. So in lieu of Video Game Corner, I have two things. First, I want to talk about the iOS 13 beta. Downloaded it yesterday, and I have a few first impressions just sort of looking at it. It adds some fun stuff. It added um, those Apple's Bitmojis, the Memojis, to everything. So you can create your own and you can use it as a contact picture and a profile picture basically across your Apple stuff. So across Game Center, messages, mail, I guess, contacts. It's kind of neat. It's fun. It's cute, you know. It's um, it, I have an iPhone 8, so it doesn't do any of the fun animated stuff, but it's still, you know, neat to mess with. My favorite things that they've added, though, the dark mode is great. They needed to do that. It works really nicely. It's still a beta, so it is a little bit glitchy sometimes. But where, you know, my favorite things in this update aren't the big uh, groundbreaking things. They're the little UI tweaks and tiny additions that didn't merit, you know, being put on most of the features lists. They're only, you know, you don't see them coming. You just notice them when you actually download the update. First off, the volume. When you change volume, just clicking the buttons up and down, uh, and it doesn't always work, but if you have apps open, it works pretty nicely. When you change volume within an app, instead of it taking up the whole screen and having those notches and you up it up and down by the buttons and it has those little squares, you know what I'm talking about, and you can't see what you're doing in the app because of it, they have completely gotten rid of that. It's now a little UI on the side right next to the buttons and you can click it up and it fills it up to the top of the buttons and then you click it back down, fills to the bottom. Really slick, just a neat little, one of those things that obviously went by the wayside for way too long, but they finally tweaked it and it's really nice. Another thing like that, they added, um, I, I like to set on some of my social medias I like to set the time limits and only allow myself 15 minutes or so a day, which I think is plenty. But, you know, sometimes that 15 minutes hits and I'm right in the middle of a video or reading something. And when the time limit hits, typically you could say 15 more minutes or I'm done or ignore for the rest of the day. Like, let me do whatever I want. They added a new option. So when that time limit hits now and it hit today, 
and I was in the middle of a video and top option is one more minute and that's fantastic literally just let me finish the video I was on and then I was out I think that was a fantastic addition because I so often you know I'll be in the middle of something the time limit will show up it'll cut me off in the app and I'll say you know what I'm just going to override this for the whole day I'm going to forget about the time limit and I'm just going to be in the app for the rest of the day one more minute gives you just enough time to finish up and then move on and I think that was a really clever addition on their part and I'm a big big fan of it another thing that they added that I'm I've enjoyed is when you want to share a link or share something image link whatever and you go you click follow share button instead of just giving you you know airdrop messages mail like the places to share stuff it gives you and I think they're just generated from your recommendations it gives you an a set of quick share options I guess is a good way of saying it of the people or groups or emails or airdrops things like that things that you share too often and so it's just one less step to get to them so say I want to share something to a group text instead of having to tap share then messages then type in the name of the group then hit send all I have to do is hit share tap the group it's in suggested and then hit send it takes a typing action out which I think is really slick and just another one of those great attention to detail things. And, you know, we can be negative all day long and complain about how, you know, Apple got to all of these updates because they didn't have any other big features that they wanted to roll out. And that might be fair. They might have done all these nice little UI things just so that they had enough for an OS update. But that's okay. I mean, they work nicely, and I'm not really going to complain about that. I have had some issues because it is a beta. You know, my messages freak out a lot. My Apple Watch doesn't connect with it. My phone is super well anymore. I get all of these requests to allow apps to use Bluetooth, which are weird. So there's, you know, some issues. But I've also been getting this notification called optimized battery charging enabled to reduce battery aging iphone learns from your daily charging routine so it can wait wait to finish charging past 80 percent until you need to use it so what i think that means is say you plug it in at the end of the night it's at 30 percent it charges itself up to 80 overnight but it stops itself at 80. Hey, that's in the middle of the night. And then it waits until, you know, 30 minutes before you need to get up and before your alarm goes off. And then it charges it up to full. So it's not trying to keep it completely fully charged. It just waits and doesn't go overcharging until you absolutely need to use it. And, you know, we'll see if that helps my battery life. It, I don't know enough about battery decay to even frankly say that battery decay is the right term for that, but it seems like a great idea. And, uh, you know, if you plug in your phone all night, that makes a whole lot of sense to not actually 
waste charging just to maintain the percent or two you're going to lose every hour. But yeah, iOS 13 beta, it's pretty slick. I don't actually know when the whole thing comes out. I think it comes out in the fall though. But yeah. So this is something I'm really excited about. We have our first recurring new segment on the show, on Soapbox. And I'm calling it Reddit Roulette. If you don't know what Reddit is, I don't know how you found a podcast because Reddit's pretty big on the internet and might be more well-known than podcasts. But here's Reddit in a nutshell. Reddit is the front page of the internet. It's where you can go and find all sorts of pictures and articles and links and videos and all sorts of things on any topic, literally any topic. The range of things covered on Reddit is astounding. And that's why Reddit Roulette exists. Because basically, the way Reddit's divided up is, you know, you go into Reddit and it's all broken up into subreddits. And each subreddit has a different focus, whether it's Mastiffs or lego star wars or overwatch or php coding or sourdough there's literally a subreddit for everything which means there are how many subreddits are there as of right now there are a hundred and thirty eight thousand more than a hundred and thirty eight thousand active subreddits no one's going to be able to keep track of that many. No one's going to ever read all of them. But there's a feature on Reddit where you can go to reddit.com slash r slash random. And basically on Reddit Roulette, every week I'm going to go to a random Reddit. And I'm just going to give you a little synopsis. Maybe it's something you're into. Maybe it's something you might want to check out. And basically just want, you know, create a little more depth in your Reddit feed. And... Uh, I don't have a ton of rules on this, but you know, if I find some weird Reddit that's in another language or is a niche thing or isn't that interesting, I'm just going to roll again. But I already rolled my first one and my first random was actually pretty good. So let me tell you about r slash retro gaming. r slash retro gaming is for those of us who still love vintage gaming, Atari and television, ColecoVision, I've never heard of that. Vectrex, never heard of that either. Sega, Nintendo, DOS, and more. It's all good here as long as it's gaming from the 70s, 80s, or 90s. So this is a pretty active community. It's 101,000 members strong. That's pretty big. And um, yeah, let's we'll break down. Here's the last, here's the best post from the last day best post from today somebody beat an nes game beat kirby's adventure Uh, best post of all time is about net neutrality which not that interesting but also in their top of all time someone built a retro gaming nook in their garage someone has every boxed nes game and this is the one i really wanted to talk about Here's the caption. A customer brought in this old TV to be fixed. We thought it'd be fun to play Fallout on a Fallout-style TV. So this guy 
has an, one of those old TVs where the display's not actually square. It's like a really rounded, ovally square. And they managed to somehow port from this TV that literally looks like it's from the 60s to an Xbox or something and actually get Fallout 4. Uh, yeah, that's Fallout 4. They got Fallout 4 running on a TV that's black and white and super rounded. And I think that's pretty incredible. I mean, highly worth checking out this subreddit. If you're into any sort of retro games, they've got all sorts of fan art and showing off all their retro consoles and um, like emulators and references and battle stations and all of this neat stuff. And while obviously I'm a big fan of gaming and I like some retro gaming, I've never actually, you know, looked into the retro gaming community and if you're a fan of that worth checking out um yeah there's some neat stuff in here uh cool artwork cool there's a sega genesis being unboxed there's uh, a 3d printed map of legend of zelda linked to the past there's a power glove um that someone mounted on a mannequin hand. I mean, there's some fun stuff in here. The 1980 Space Invaders Championship, the first major video game tournament in history. That's pretty cool. I mean, go check out r slash retro gaming. And um, yeah, I think that's a whole lot of fun. So that is our first ever Reddit roulette. Hope you like it. I think that's going to be a recurring segment. I think uh, I'm trying to come up with more ways to spice up the show and I think that's a fun one because you know Reddit's such a powerful resource and I spend more time on Reddit than I do any other social network but and I've been on Reddit for five years but every time I go on I find something new and like learn something new find a new hobby I think I found sourdough on there I might have found sourdough on there initially before I started baking um there's just great stuff on there and I highly recommend checking out if you're not on Reddit it's I mean arguably better than any other social media because it's not you know it's not about you it's not about any one person it's about joining communities and within those communities focusing on those core principles focusing on whether it's cool weather gifts or chef's knives or ooh hit my microphone arm or Legos, or, I mean, Gatorade, or NBA, or, I mean, all sorts of things. And while obviously there's some horrible sections of it because it is social media and there's horribly offensive, you know, hate group type stuff, that's nowhere near the majority. There is so much, even if you just go on for the cute elephant gifts and kittens and all of that, that's worthwhile. So check out Reddit and check out r slash retro gaming. Going back to our main topic today, going back to the wind in the trees concept, um, you know, obviously really easy to picture in film, the sort of way that film can portray the reality through showing nature and stuff like that. Uh, the way I heard about this concept was a video essay about the series Monster Factory. Great series. The two of the McElroy brothers, Justin and Griffin, 
they they make it for Polygon, where they go and they take video games that have really robust character creators and character customization, and they just make the most horrifically beautiful, just ugly and glitchy and unspeakable horrors. And it's called Monster Factory. And this video essay was basically saying, is that art? Is that an artistic endeavor or is that just two dudes being funny? And the answer was kind of both because Monster Factory is a let's play. It's a series where people play the video games while talking over them. So you can go in and you can get a pretty good idea of what the game is just from watching. But what Monster Factory does that most Let's Plays don't is it goes off the beaten path and it forces the game into bugs. Things like how in Bethesda games, if you shrink a character, you know, if you use the console commands and you make a character two feet tall instead of five feet tall, and then they die, they turn into these weird spindly things. And it's one of the, it's a bug. It's an innate bug in Bethesda's code. And it's been in every single one of their games. And they point that out in Monster Factory multiple times. And it's an illustration of the natural limits of that video game as a world. And so the their videos are showing the sort of natural phenomena of that video game just like how the wind in the trees being shown in in a film is showing the natural phenomena of the real world. And, you know, this video essay is really excellent. If you just Google is monster factory art, I'm sure it'll come up. I don't remember who made it, but they were fantastic. And it got me thinking and sort of led to this whole segment. You know, it's, if monster factory type things find the wind as it were, in video games. And actually filming wind or filming nature shows that in film. Is there something like that for podcasts? And I'm not sure because, you know, while it's so obvious where authenticity comes through in, you know, reality, when you point a camera at reality or at, a real person in a field, you're going to capture more authentically an experience than if you pointed a camera at a soundstage where in video games, if you show them glitching out, you're going to show things more real, more real, not real. You're going to show reality more thoroughly than if you, you know, just show the game working how it's supposed to. And when I say reality there, I mean the reality of that game, you're going to show the flaws and the weirdness in the laws quote-unquote, of physics in that game. But, you know, how do you show those... What is that sort of thing? What's the equivalent of that in podcasts? And I'm not sure. Is it, you know, showing... Is it just telling the most authentic things you can? Is it... I mean, I mean I'm just not sure how you capture that sort of concept in audio form and I'm not sure if you can and it's difficult to articulate because I've never thought about it that much before and I sort of saved it for the air because I was hoping I would have some revelation here that I haven't had yet but you know when you think about radio and you think about podcasts as a you know democratization of radio where's the authenticity in the 
voice only medium you know is it having the best recording possible is it having the highest fidelity so it sounds like I'm right next to your ear talking is it you know having the most perfectly produced podcast so that you know I'm speaking so eloquently and flawlessly and have perfect diction so that you can tell exactly what I'm saying and exactly what I'm meaning with every sentence or is it the opposite do you instead of editing really tightly do you edit super loosely so that you hear every um and uh and swallow and cough and frankly burp I've already edited out one of those today you know I'm not sure where is the authenticity what what authenticity is there to preserve in this medium is it authenticity of the message or is it authenticity of the instrument as my voice or of the voice as the instrument and um, or is it the authenticity of the surroundings of the rules of the medium like you know the glitches in video games do you try and showcase the you know limits and the weirdness of audio through you know tricks of the ear I'm not sure about that I'm not trying to do that I don't know if that would enhance your experience of the show or are you just trying to capture the ambiance of the recording like you try and capture natural phenomena in film? I'm not sure about that either because if there was too much background noise in this setting, you wouldn't be able to hear what I'm saying. So, you know, I don't know what the answer to this is. And, you know, maybe someone out there does, but uh, I guess the main takeaway is... In any creative endeavor, you know, authenticity is key. And whether it's just being authentic in creating what you want to create or whether it's the actual product itself being genuine and, you know, even if it's fiction, make it authentically great fiction and original. Or if it's, you know, something you're making with your hands, don't. I mean, I'm not really sure how you make that more or less authentic using the real materials or if you're cooking, you know, cooking it on a stovetop instead of microwaving it might be a good example. Making the most authentic product at the end of the day possible and making, finding your own wind in your own trees sort of thing. And while that does sound sort of like a Southern Belle trying to describe her... (laughs) gas or something like saying oh I have some wind in my trees that was more Irish than Southern but you get the idea you know there, there's so much value in authenticity and there's so it's so rare in a lot of places now finding authentic and enjoyably authentic things and you know it's the whole wonder bread versus home cooked bread type thing I guess is what it comes down to where it's mass produced or it's mass produced and uncared for or it's hand produced and there's a lot of love in it and there's a trade-off there and you know through history we've sort of ping-ponged between preferring one or the other as, as a society but you know I guess listener I encourage you to pursue authenticity and hold me to the same and hopefully this is authentic enough for you 
and I'm not going to cough into the mic to prove that, but trust me, I would if that would prove it. (laughs) Anyway, I think that about does it for Soapbox this this week. Uh, Good old show about strong opinions on trivial topics. As always, you can follow the show on Twitter and or Instagram at Soapbox with Jack. That's at Soapbox with Jack. And uh, if you have any strong opinions on trivial topics to email in, you can email them to soapboxwithjack at gmail. Um, What else? I started putting episodes up on YouTube, uh, including the video episode, including the live streamed episode. Uh, And I might do another video episode or two later this season. So those will go on YouTube. And if you search Soapbox with Jack on YouTube, you'll find that channel. And, um, yeah, oh, merch, teespring.com slash stores slash Soapbox with Jack. Wait, no, hold on. That's not right. Teespring. It's not Soapbox with Jack. It's teespring.com slash stores slash Soapbox. And... If you go to either the Twitter or the Instagram, there's links to it from there as well if you want merch for the show. And if you get any, send me pictures of it. I know a couple people have ordered some, and uh, I'm excited for it to come in. I'm still waiting for mine personally to come in. But, yeah, thanks for listening to Soapbox, show about strong opinions, trivial topics. I have been and continue to be Jack Crawford, and I'll talk to you next time.